do a song. <laughs> you want to do a karaoke? <laughs> could do a song about Job. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my friend, Elisha. Hello, everybody. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I just did a presentation, so I'm coming off of that. Excited to be here. In what? The Bible and ethics, actually. What happened? Did it go well? It went well. Everybody wanted to talk about the authority of the Bible. Um, Yeah, it went really well. But as a non-ethicist, that was a good good learning curve for me. You're a non-ethicist? I know. That makes it sound like it's something definitive. So like, I don't believe in don't ethics. Do <laughs> <laughs> so Woohoo, I'm, I'm totally saying. off the hook. So uh, my no. an- anti-ethical friend friend here. Yes. Uh, Lish is a uh, fellow PhD student here and does Bible and Systematics. And she's really cool and awesome and interviewed Carrie Walsh. Yep. Yeah, that was so, fun. Uh, so I was thinking maybe we could just talk a little bit about what we've been doing or reading or thinking about. Yeah, so I've been thinking I've been reading through Kierkegaard's Repetition with some good friends. Oh, nice! And we've just been going line by line, paragraph by paragraph, which would be super boring to most people, but it's awesome to me because I'm a nerd. So wait. Is this line by line, paragraph by paragraph in English or Danish? In English, yeah. Okay. So we will do the Danish here and there, but... Uh, You're not torturing yourself we're yet. Not, yeah, yeah, we're not that masochistic. Got it. Um, and I just recently picked up David Bentley Hart's New Testament. Oh, interesting. Which has been... Yeah, it's been interesting. I think that's the right word. It's... Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's wild. It's really wild. Uh it's definitely worth checking into. I actually just told Peter Spitaler about it today, and uh, he seemed pretty excited about it. Oh, so. cool. Yeah, I know uh, one of the other students was talking about this on Twitter, right? N.T. Wright wrote something in response yeah, to Yeah, that was Na- Nathaniel. Uh, Nathaniel was, and Greg, uh, I think, got in on that conversation, yeah, too. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, so yeah. maybe two of them. Yeah. Yeah, Hart and N.T. Wright have been having this back and forth that has been <laughs> kind of <laughs> hilarious, actually. <laughs> Uh, you know, I won't go into the details, but, uh, you know, for any of our listeners interested in, uh, the New Testament or what have you, uh, it's worth checking out. Excellent. So what have you been doing? What have you been up to? I've been, uh, so we did this podcast with Walsh at the time, um, that I was taking a class with her, which was just at the end of last semester, right? That we finished this podcast Mm -hmm. up. And so for that class, I was really taking a look at the notion of chaos and how chaos is understood for the ancient Israelites, particularly because I'm interested in how an understanding of fragility can kind of help us today. I think that we sort of shy away from fragility. We shy away from vulnerability and things like this in our culture. And so, um, so anyway, I was just really interested. And one of the readings that we had for her class said that uh, when one has a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I ended up, yeah, doing this, paper on chaos and then in our in our podcast with her we're talking about chaos and uh and it's just been sort of everything's feeling very chaotic in a in sometimes bad but often in good ways so that's awesome yeah yeah okay so hebrew notions of chaos chaos and um pretty bomb 
Yeah. Can we say that word still? I'm not cool enough what? to know. Is bomb an bomb? okay word to use? Like it's the Just bomb? bomb or the bomb? The bomb. The bomb. I, I say know. that. I okay. might be weird. Okay. I might not be Money? Cool. It's money. It's money. So, Lish, so you interviewed uh, the Old Testament professor here, Carrie Walsh. Yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun in our conversation chatting with her. She talks a lot about how um, her own personal journey is sort of in the podcast, although not a, not a huge focus of it, and how the text to the Hebrew Bible just really grabbed her mm-hmm. and wouldn't let her go. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, how she looks for the silences, she looks for the gaps, sort of her method, her process. And she's just really fun to talk to about mm-hmm. all these kinds of things. And so also got some shout outs uh, for psychoanalysis. That was yeah, really I thought of you yeah. when I was re-listening to it. Yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah, it so she's obviously good. been reading psychoanalysis lately. Mm-hmm. And uh, Levinas, I think, is someone else that she mm-hmm. mentioned. So yeah. And the role of animals is just really fun. Ostriches in particular. And hippopotami. And hippopotami. Although I don't know if you call them hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses. Potomatutus. Yeah, I don't know. Many. Many hippopotamuses. Well, that doesn't solve the problem. No. (laughs) I guess with that. Shall uh, we go into it? We'll move into this interview. Um, I think there was some historical things referenced. It was just after the... That's right. It was just after the shooting in Las Vegas. Shooting in Las Vegas, yes. Um, and it was soon after the hurricane hurricane in Puerto Rico yeah. and the earthquake in Mexico City. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of chaos in the world happening when we were having this podcast. Yeah, yeah so that's useful to know going into it. Yeah. Um, so, without further ado... Enjoy, uh, y'all. Yeah, enjoy it. School and her THD from Harvard. So good morning again. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we're here today to talk a little bit about your scholarship, uh, your work with the Hebrew Bible, the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, do you have anything that you'd like to start us off with? Um, just that I'm glad that you asked and the Old Testament is, has been an interest of mine all through my life, so I'm just finding new areas to discover about it yeah. through my scholarship. But I usually let the text lead me into new curiosities. Interesting. Yeah, so can you tell me a little bit more about how that how the text does that for you? How does the text lead you into these new places? Uh, yeah. Well, every single time I read it, in class or outside of class, I see something new, and I can't pursue those all, mm-hmm. all, all of those, but I can notice things that interact with my secondary reading all the time. Yeah. As I get more fluent in psychoanalysis, for example, I can see sure. more going on in the family dynamics in Genesis, for example. Right, right. Um, so it always stays new, even as our theories change. Yeah. Um, I wasn't that interested in animals, and then I just saw a lot of animal imagery in Job, and it wouldn't right. let me go, and yeah. that's what, so, so I didn't start out wanting to do an environmental piece. Sure. But that's it sort of snagged me into why are these taking up so much space and why are they the center of the conversation between God and Job when it should be Job's suffering. Yeah, Um, right. It's a complicated text that's troubled Christian interpreters over the centuries. Um, 
yeah, so curiosity is a main point, a main point of part of the reading and pausing, almost like Lexio Divina. Right. You let it hit you, yeah. no matter how familiar it is. Adam and Eve are really hard to do that with because mm -hmm. it's so familiar. But getting under it, you just see, oh, wait, he's, Adam's standing right by her this whole time. Why doesn't he speak up? Yeah. You know, and that could have stopped two, two centuries of anti-women theologies against Eve being the, to blame. Right. He's so, a, yeah, so you look at a lot of where the silences are. I do. In the text. I do. A lot of the, the gaffes, the aporias, right? Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, that has become fun for me because it's a big part of psychoanalysis. The thing the patient is not saying yeah. becomes the most important thing in the room. And I notice that the text, since they're um, conflation of different traditions and sources, that there are gaps that have to do with literary editing, but there are other gaps that are meant to be pregnant pauses yeah. by the writers. Right. Um, yeah, the idea we had one yesterday in class mm -hmm. of, of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, and then Abraham comes down the mountain by himself. That's a huge gap that the right. rabbis saw. That means Isaac was sacrificed, and the text can't bear to say that. So those things happen, mm -hmm. and they're left as gaps. Westerners tend to read texts as complete in themselves for the grammar and the words. Right. But what's coming, what's happening in between the words, is both a um, rabbinic and a psychoanalytic idea yeah. to put more um, emphasis on what might be happening in those gaps. Yeah. And somewhere, like even modern sociologists say, ninety something percent of our communication is not verbal. Right. Which is stunning. And why wouldn't that be the same for texts? Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Something like ninety, like it's way up there. Right. Right. It's and a lot of uh, the physical, the affect, right? yeah, things like this. Yeah. And then can we assign these types of things to text as well? Exactly. Maybe not quite one-to-one, -one, but exactly. yeah, yeah, we're looking at what's not being said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it all goes back also just to the hermeneutic turn <laughs> that we're paying attention to how, how we interpret each other, how we interpret the world in text, mm -hmm. and what we miss as much as what we catch. Right. So there's a tolerance in me for non-comprehension all the time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and in a sense, the tolerance for the non-comprehension, what I hear is that that really comes out of this willingness to be changed by the text or interacted with. Oh, right. Right? Yeah, from, right. From the, it's like the text is this living thing, the living word of God. Um, and it, it grasps you, it, it calls you, it shows you, or doesn't show you. Right? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I that is such a an assumption of mine. I don't even see it that mm. it's yes that it's alive, right. but it very much is like a psychoanalytic session where I'm going to change if it's real therapy. Yeah, and it's a dynamic interchange, a dialogue with the living text. I think that's the only way moderns and postmoderns can understand why a text would be revelatory mm -hmm. rather than just packed with information. Yeah. And that's a hard sell in the postmodern time. Why could any book be privileged? But it's it's really not. It's the voices from the past that have collected something mm -hmm. that catches the divine yeah. but doesn't contain it. Um, so I definitely feel, even though we're talking about, like, 
child sacrifice back in an agrarian community, this feels like right inside my heart, most of these mm -hmm. stories. Once mm -hmm. I say them a few times out loud, oh, that's me. I'm Adam. I'm just watching something go down and not say, speaking up. Yeah. Or Eve. I'm curious, even if it's going to cost me. Okay, true that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That it is, like, there, there's a simultaneity, the rabbis call it, the simultaneity of scripture, mm -hmm. is that it's still alive, and these human lives in the text are speaking to me. Not literally, not fundamentalistically. Right. But, but that it... There's there, an underlying truth that yes, is speaking to you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm wondering if we could dive a little bit more into how that's been working with Job. You yes. mentioned the animals in Job. Yes. And how that's something that has snagged you recently. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, yes. I went into Job, actually because I wanted to help solve the problem of evil. <laughs> that didn't work. And um, It's the whirlwind speech, 38 to 42, and it really just caught me. This is a huge example of silence, that mm -hmm. God shows up finally after 40 freaking chapters, and and doesn't even answer what Job has been through. Yeah. And so over the years, Augustine, uh, Luther, everyone is bothered by this mis misread of God. Like, is he, he's just thundering and he's defensive, God's defensive. Mm -hmm. And I've created everything. Where were you when I made the heavens? And mm -hmm. poor little Job. Um, so it was the whirlwind speech and the interaction, the dialogue between God and the human, Job, mm -hmm. the suffering human, that interested me the most. And I wasn't willing to say that God must just be being insecure or defensive or yeah. a power monger. Yeah. Um, that something else must be going on that commands my attention. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be about evil. I want I the reader wanted it to be about evil and solving that dilemma. Yeah. Maybe Job did too. Please tell me why I've been through hell. But instead we get this zoo display of yeah. all this variety of beauty. Yeah. And it reminded me of that you know, those images on like BBC or the, the nature channels where right. you see all these freakishly beautiful, weird yeah. Creatures. And this, the similar thing's going on in that Job speech. Instead of answering Job, God shows him a whole bunch of animals doing their thing. Mm -hmm. And it's all about nurturing and mothering their little babies. Mm. That, so, there, so there's something very pro-life in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why suffering happens, but I do know life goes on. Yeah. And maybe Job can't even bear a direct answer for evil, but he can maybe stomach that. I see. I think of like going after a tragedy, going to the zoo. That really does help, yeah. and talking to people doesn't at, at that point. Like after nine eleven, that's where I went. Just looked at hippopotamuses, and because yeah. I had nothing to, no words. Yeah, and I just looked at this huge fat thing and mm -hmm. with teeth that were the size of my fist. Yeah, it didn't solve it. No, but it it made me at least breathe again. Yeah. So that's a good another example of how the text is alive. Right. Um, and it's not taxonomic. It's not a list of all the animals that are, God has created. Isn't he the best creator in the world? It's, I think he was trying to teach Job with compassion. That's my read. Mm -hmm. In the only way he could handle it. He's lost everyone. Right. Um, yeah. 
But you see a little, like, eagle is one of them, and he's, she's taking care of her little baby eagles in a nest. And, mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to stay mad. Yeah. <laughs> depressed. When, yeah, you know, absolutely. And that's what God is actually showing him, if you look yeah. it up. Even baby hippopotami, which I, I don't even know what that would look like, but it's yeah. got to be cuter than the big one. It's and, yeah, they're pretty cute. Yeah. 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 So that life goes on. Like, I'm a big... The, the, there's not a canon within a canon, meaning the Bible, we really need to know some of the books, but not all of them. I see. I think the lectionary in the Catholic Church only has like 16% of the Old Testament. Oh, really? And, I didn't. I had no idea. And that's, that's, that's a growth. That's abysmal, really. Thank you. I agree. Yeah. And that's a growth from pre-Vatican II when it apparently it was like 4%. Oh, goodness. Um, so yeah. Exodus, yeah, yeah. Isaiah, yeah, yeah. I don't believe in a canon in a, with a canon. I think sure. the whole thing is worthy of our attention because diversity itself is worthy of our attention right. and if you're thinking about God as reality or the ground of reality mm -hmm. then that all has to get messily incorporated yes. into a text and yes. into our lives right. um, so one of the one of the things that uh, struck me about some of the readings of yours that I was doing in preparation was the, the sense of the animal as the other and how this tells us, or tells Job maybe, sort of what you said, there's a silence, there's an otherness that perhaps gives him away. Okay. So can you, I don't know how to formulate this question very well, but can you, I sense that maybe you're sort of getting what I might be saying. Yeah, yeah. this is, I've been reading a lot of Emmanuel Levinas, yeah. Levinas, and he talks about the other. So it's an ethical, philosophical system, philosophical theology, but the idea... Um, fits well with the dialogic approach that I use between the texts and ourselves. That mm -hmm. somebody right in front of me, you, Alicia, are a complete mystery and a wonder. Mm -hmm. And so are all these animals in Job. Mm -hmm. And so is everything, actually. It's just that we become familiar and we walk through life in slumber. Yeah. So the idea of the other is part of the strangeness of a hippopotamus or an ostrich yeah. that e the ostrich even freaks God out which yeah. I'm charmed by <laughs> like God you're big and you don't even and you have huge wings and you don't even s fly yeah what's with that yeah <laughs> I mean it's right in the text and it you says run. that yeah yeah and you're, you know you're right that is the right way to respond to an ostrich yeah huh <laughs> huh but even that tells me God has so much creative output that God can't help himself. Yeah. And just some things are born, we're not sure why. And yeah. <laughs> they have an extra paint left over. And, sure. Um, sure, yeah. Uh, so the otherness of even an animal, of course this has environmental implications right. for treating the treatment of animals, but I think it's even in the text that they were never just background for, like, say, the manger scene. Right. A donkeys, a few sheep sitting around. Yeah. But when you really think about that, that's kind of moving it doesn't only suggest Jesus is so humble, what mm -hmm. a savior, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it suggests that the creation itself knows what's important. Interesting, yeah. That they yeah. know this before all the talking heads that humans are. Yeah. So my last point on this otherness is sometimes in theology, or most times, words don't work. Yeah. And we really have to get past that prideful assumption that mm -hmm. we can name and categorize everything and clever our way out of a, of understanding reality. The yeah. other means, oh, I'm here and I cannot be 
contained. Yeah. That's a useful lesson, not just for a hippopotamus, obviously, but for God. Right. The strangeness, as I keep emphasizing with our class, that's got to come through, and we need to be self-conscious about not domesticating God, mm -hmm. even though that means it'll be an unstable relationship. Mm -hmm. It'll be a live one. So it's a trade-off. You keep God live, and you keep the text live, but you can never say definitively mm -hmm. the interpretation of this text is that. Yeah. Um, life always throws a wrench, or a rainbow, or an ostrich. Like it's so. Be alert. The Michael Fishbane talks about the sacred attunement. Okay. Yeah. That the life job of a Jewish man or woman is to be attuned. Yeah. Okay. So, to the world, because you don't know when God's coming through. And that dovetails well with the Christian view of incarnation. Yeah. In real time, and Jesus was being born in a major, we probably would have walked by it. Right. And not been too busy. Yeah. But even the little donkeys knew to rest. Yeah. And offer warmth. That's their heating system back then. So they mm -hmm. were actually giving love mm -hmm. to Jesus. They may even be the centerpiece, you know, not the parents. And yeah. not the, but, <laughs> huh, he's here finally. Yeah. Um, let's sit down. Because there's something about the lack of verbosity, yes, that understands yes. the real, exactly. better than our than our verbalness can. Exactly. Yeah. And even calling it intuition, it's it's just a whole bunch of things that words don't quite catch. Mm -hmm. And I think anything important, at least in my life, has had that quality to it as well. I'd rather not be attuned some days. Like yeah. I'd rather have an answer. The Las Vegas thing last night. That, right. Those sorts of tragedies that happen. It'd be more, or the hurricane in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like, that's just, of course God didn't cause that, but of course I don't have the definitive answer on why it happened. Right. I, or even how to process it. Or even how to process. Good. As, a, as a person, as a nation, how do yeah. we process these things? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was wondering, as, a, as we're talking about that processing and, and things like this, um, we talked a little bit before, you and I have, about sort of chaos and how, in the Hebrew Bible, how they understood what chaos might be. You know, the world feels very chaotic right now. Yeah. Um, and so from a, the lens of a, a Hebrew Bible lens, how can we see this chaos? What do we do with chaos? I mean, we're sort of dancing around that right now in, in a variety of ways, too. Silence yeah. is definitely yeah. one answer. Yeah. Um, huh. But yeah, just if you have other thoughts, I'd be interested to hear... Yeah, I, it's difficult. I, I think that what you really get in the Hebrew Bible is that chaos is always the base thumping in the background. Yeah, okay. And it's humans who ignore it to their peril. Okay. Like from the beginning, God creates humans, and they are to tend the garden, and he, God separates the, the light and darkness and the chaos from the ordered world yeah but it's a fence right and our job as humans is to maintain the fence with care yeah and precision not neglect mm -hmm. um, so even in the job passage the one scary animal is the leviathan that god has on a leash mm -hmm. and he represents the chaos of the sea monsters but yeah. when you think of that image, it's just on a leash. That's a little bit frightening. Right. That's not God caging. Right. That's, ooh. Yeah. Um, that leash could break. At all times. And it yeah. does periodically. And it's almost, 
I find human evil much more difficult to understand than natural evil. Yeah. I I would want to know why there are hurricanes, but that doesn't have the same assault on my soul that shooting people does yeah. or atrocities that, yeah. that we keep racking up. I, I don't think we're facing chaos. I think we're pretending it's not there mm. and then acting shocked each time. Yeah. And at least the Hebrew Bible kept it in mind, like this is in play. The wildness factor is the beauty of the strange animals yeah. and others, Yeah. big O, but it's also anything could jump off. Yeah. So you end up with being attuned, if you read the Hebrew Bible, but also being careful with the preciousness and fragility of existence. Yeah. And that would include animals, even before it, the environmental hermeneutics absolutely. came into view. Yeah, absolutely. So there's not a solution. That, there's not like a one answer, oh, we get it now. Mm-hmm. It's this um, mixed up, distortive, complacent human that causes most of the problems that, that, are, that we struggle with. Yeah. We're both the image of God, but we're also just dust. And mm-hmm. I don't think we handle that, so we, we offload it. It looks like it's a short answer, a quick answer, yeah. to why is there so much chaos, but it just creates more, it foments more chaos. Right. The them and the us, it splits us. Um, it's a way of looking for order that just makes the problem worse, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, and yeah. that any good gardener knows you can't control that. You have to allow plants but yeah. I'm not a gardener, so... But you have to allow the plants to grow where they will. Right. You can't be micromanaging. Right. Chaos is in Puerto Rico. Let's deal with it. Chaos is... Here. No, it's it's inside us. We were talking about that yesterday. It's yeah. inside us. Yeah. So be alert to that. And I, I find it interesting to think about chaos in that way, um, particularly when you said that we, the, the ancients would have really had this notion of chaos ever present right and that we've we ignore it to our peril today and what what I'm wondering about that is is I've noticed in myself and I've talked to other other folks about how sometimes when you go through life this past few weeks perhaps let's just take that example with all these hurricanes and the earthquakes and you know Vegas and all these things it just feels as though you're reacting all the time yeah yeah and are we reacting because we don't have a sense that chaos is ever present um, and the conversations I've been having are this reaction, this constant knee-jerking, is mm-hmm. actually very detrimental to an individual's health and psyche. And I can tell like that this. it is, can't you? Oh, absolutely. Because I'm, I'm checking myself. Yeah. Um, the reactivity is diminishing us as people Yeah. and drying up our souls. That's exactly how it and feels. And then we don't even feel better after right. we do all that. Right. So, yeah, we're in like a loop of, of that. Um, yeah, I do. I do feel that one of the costs, there are several, mm-hmm. from moving from the Hebrew Bible to the New Testament is the assumption that everything is now stable and clear, mm-hmm. and there's good and evil, and now there's a demon and God, demons and angels, and yeah. God and Satan, and no, I, I wish to God evil were obvious and in a red suit. Mm-hmm. I'd have no problem. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's all over the place. And it's in us. I think that's the, I really do, from psychoanalysis, think that's the part that we can't face or the strongest of us can, like Mm. a Mandela. Yeah. um, Nelson Mandela. So we offload the pain. Mm -hmm. We offload the pain onto whoever's nearest or whoever we've 
degraded to some point. And that would include animals as well. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing, like, one thing that was different, just take something simple. When there's a fire here, we have trucks and it goes, they go and they put it out. Right. And for ancient Israel, if a village house caught fire, that's it. They're all dead. Right. And then, so what do they do with that tragedy? They actually start describing God as a fire, a consuming fire even, hmm. meaning he's a totality. He's everything, hmm. even these awful parts. Yeah. So I'm not saying God is in chaos, but in a way, it's part of the majestic world, and it's part of what keeps the majestic world working. Mm-hmm. I bet physics, new physicists, probably have some idea that's similar to this, where chaos is part of the system. Mm. For it to flourish, for life to actually flourish, chaos is needed. Yeah. But that's no excuse. I'm not trying to make an excuse for Las Vegas or oh, other absolutely. atrocities. Right. So let's let's unpack that a little bit. So what does that look like if chaos is a part and a parcel of what it means to flourish? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think in terms of art, I, I paint watercolor very oh. badly. and um, Still, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah, I think it's lovely. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like a little child. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, I can't, still can't make the sun look like the sun, but I'm making something else that feels delightful. Yeah. And that's all. And maybe chaos, I know chaos is part of that, mm. that process. And I even know teaching, alas, is part of that process too. Yes. Some like wild thing has to happen. Chaos and creativity. Um, I tend to think that we read everything linearly or we try to do the eight chapters that are assigned. Right. And I now, at my stage, am jumping around because my attention is calling me and I trust that more. Yeah. So oh. it's chaotic and I don't know if I've read the assignment, but I, I sure have thought and jumped around. Yeah. And then come back and reflected on what was similar and what threads were there. Yeah. Chaos is big. So it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And the g- whole God question is you trying to get out of your little self, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. little damn self, you know? Mm-hmm. I rule the world. I rule my day. Not at all. So even when Jesus says lay down your life, he's not like sacrificially demanding. It's just the, the ego is actually the thing that's hamstringing you. Yeah. And you could, be, you could grow if you can handle some chaos. I'm sure every mother knows this, but yeah. th- it's also a theological idea that, yeah. huh, this wasn't in my daily planner, but this is worth the day to me. Um, you know? Yeah. Those happen. Yeah. Um, and that's all part of chaos. And so what we're talking about, too, is a, it's a, a resiliency or... Wait, I, oh, yeah. let me just clarify. Please. Chaos isn't the lack of order. It's the lack of human-defined order. That, that's, that's what oh, I was trying to really get That's really helpful. And I think that's where Einstein is with this whole relativity thing. Like, okay. somehow, he's, he's not saying it's all chaotic in space-time. But, yeah, we cannot nail it. We cannot nail reality. We can reality. never understand it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's beyond us. Okay. So it's still real, just like God is still real. Yeah. But it's beyond our... Uh, grammatical syntactical efforts to define it I see and th- see no one that that was a good I wanted to add that because chaos is never defined and the assumption is it's bad yes but it means humans yeah. can't organize it 
we can't circumscribe it. Right. Circumscribe In the same way that we can't word. circumscribe yeah. God. And yeah. God was always saying, don't try to circumscribe this. Yeah. Just try to not add to it. So the tikkun ha'olam idea in Judaism is repair the world. I'm just in a coffee shop, but I can do something kind rather than mean. Yeah. I can drive, okay, the, hypothetically the speed limit, and, <laughs> and not be impatient with another human being. Yeah. So I, and I can only do this for short spurts where I think, oh, the person ahead of me is, in, is an image of God too. Yeah. Or is an image of God. Treat her like that. Just today. Just now. Yeah. Um, so you repair the dangerous fence that, of chaos, but you never try to get rid of chaos. Okay. You recognize, I can't control everything. Yeah, I see. And that's the same thing with psychoanalysis. Again, I didn't realize this would come up a lot, but our subconscious is really running the show. Yeah. And that should bother every Western rationalist, right. you know, who's got all these degrees. <laughs> right. But in a way, it's kind of cool. Oh, this is cool. Mm -hmm. if, if my ego weren't threatened, I would think that was very cool. Yeah. And that, that process is the same thing that's happening in creation and God and chaos. The decentering of the human self. Yes. Yeah. Well put. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that there's more here than your eye can see and that your dictionaries can capture. Yeah. No matter how, how sophisticated we get. Yep. There's always dancing behind the Hebrew letters. Like in the Old Testament, it's Hebrew Bible, it's the letters mean something, but there's stuff in between the letters and oh. off the page of the letters. They call it white fire, black fire on white fire. Okay. So it's, they think of the text as moving. Oh, interesting. Isn't that, that's, and it's fire, so it's beautiful. hot. Yeah. Yeah. Incandescent and yeah. hot, both. Yeah. So even the text is something wild. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Which is why it can grab us. Yeah. Why, why there are silences, why there are depths that can never be fully circumscribed. Yes. Because it's part of that wildness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's important to keep alive because it's a part of God. It's not... Yeah. God is not the Father. There's more. Mm. And not the Trinity. Like, the Trinity tries to describe that with the plurality and unity. Yeah. And that's like an atom. We used to think an atom was the way that you describe reality, but now we see is the smallest or the sure. most... Yeah. Uh, direct idea concept but now we see there's all kinds of movement and energy in there right and neurons and, and such yeah and so there's all this dynamism going on in the trinity mm -hmm. that maybe for a second i'm comforted that i can say father son and holy spirit but you know it's yeah it's an energy of love obviously yeah but, and distinctness it's uncapturable yep so holy other holy other yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Other used to be a bad word, and I guess with Levinas, I just see a lot of potential in taking the other seriously on social and ethical issues, but mm -hmm. on theological ones as well. Mm -hmm. I can learn a lot if I'm open to it, and I don't confine that to academics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And honest to God, like I used to... At one point in my life, I was a substance abuse counselor. Oh, wow. And I had to drive the guys to um, AA meetings. Okay. And I heard more theology. I, I just, yeah. I heard more theology, more genuine theology in four seconds. Yeah. Out of these gruff, you know, construction worker types. Yeah. Who didn't have the vocab, but they had all the truth that they could yeah. stomach. More than they could stomach, maybe, and that's why they were alcoholics. Yeah. They saw the world brutally clearly. 
you know, and they'd be published if not for, I, you know, they could be where I am instead of yeah. where they are just by a fault. So even, there's even beauty in the alcoholics who are in their last stage of life. That's what I yeah. saw. Yeah. Like, huh, I have a ton to learn just from the guy sitting next to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I really do. I don't know why I still think that, but I really do. Um, if I'm stuck and I have to take a bus, it's, it then becomes yet another attunement thing. Yes. Not yes. every day. but No, of course. Some okay. days you fight it more than others. Yeah. At least I do. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I do. Yeah. And sometimes I just want to get to point A and B. I exactly. don't want to interact and be attuned. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the lack of attunement, it does bother me, like in today's texting world yeah there are more people injured from personal pedestrian accidents right (laughs) that's just that used to not be a thing in insurance like pedestrian accident what is that that's somebody texting (laughs) (laughs) then they fall through a manhole that's what that is (laughs) so how on earth god's gonna get on the radar Uh, yeah you know yeah unless he becomes an app yeah (laughs) I love what you just said about um, finding the theology in these AA meetings. In a sense, it's it's this a, this ability to kind of find the truth, which is that theology being about God is everywhere. Yeah. Um, I like to tell my husband, who's a statistician, that we're all theologians. Just some of us are a little more official than others. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that can be like a hidden gem that you see in the world. Yeah. Like, really, to get somebody who's suffering that much, an alcoholic, to say, I believe in a power greater than myself. Yeah. Like, for them to genuinely mean that, that's what I saw. And it was a revelation. Yeah. Oh, God's not just in divinity school and in my highbrow circles. Yeah. This God just saved that guy's life. Yeah. And that guy and that guy, and there's like 30 people in this room. Why isn't that on the news, you know, the national news? Yeah. Um, that's that's newsworthy. Yeah. And Lords every single day has like ten thousand people, at least four of whom are getting healed. Yeah. Maybe not the others, skeptics. But at least four. <laughs> and yeah. people are weeping over that. Yeah. Why is that not on the news every day? Yeah. Instead it's these atrocities and these Yeah, we haven't made peace with chaos. We haven't seen any of its potential. Yeah. I, I don't mean we, I, I sound Culturally, I think is the reacti- what, what we started out with was the reactivity. the reactivity isn't actually doing anything. No, and it's hurting us. Yes. It's hurting ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, like the other is mm-hmm. the shooter, and the other is a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah. And where you've lost even civility on that level. Yeah. And I think the instinct isn't. Incivility. I think the instinct is because we feel out of control yes. by everything. So we're trying to find blame. Yeah. And there, too, the Hebrew Bible is very, very instructive because it has the whole scapegoat. The origin of the scapegoat is I don't want to deal with my stuff, so put it on the goat and send it out into the desert. Are we clear? Yes, that'll work. Okay. And it worked. Yeah. It doesn't work to repress it right. and to target others. It works to unload it somewhere safe. Yeah. And how do we do that today? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is the Psalms there that you really do lament and you yeah. rage yeah. and you mourn yeah. right in front of God and you take up God's time That with those mm-hmm. impolite prayers. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think it goes to God. All your, all one's 
discontent and troubledness. I, I'm sure we're all not sleeping very well these last months. Right. It's just right. apocalyptic feeling. Yes. I, I don't want to turn on the news. Right. Um, and then the one time I miss, it was Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. But I, I can't be addicted to a stream streaming of atrocities that's yeah. going to destroy me. It, yeah, it chips um, away. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. And when you're talking about the Psalms and sort of the lament and the discontent, we've also talked about a God who can is big enough for all of those things. Last or Yesterday in yes. class, we yes. talked about how uh, in some stories we see them getting a, a foothold on their recovery from trauma yes. through attributing these terrible things in their lives to God. Yes. Because God is big enough. Yes. And whether God actually caused them or wants or wills them, it's a way to make sense of yeah. your own yeah. pain. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, what you bring up is an important point. In the Old Testament, I often hear, why is God mean in the Old Testament? And he's, God's not mean. He's absorbing our meanness mm. so that we can grow past it to something else. Yeah. So it's important that they have, like a parent, that you have somebody you can rage against. Yeah. And take it on so then you can get bored with your own rage and yeah. move on to something, yeah. oh, like love or yeah. <laughs> care. or So yeah. developmentally, all this sacrifice on God's part to look bad in the whole Old Testament is yeah. sacrificially to help us get to the point where we can even hear God yeah. is about love. Yeah. So he must, God must feel kind of unappreciated at times for yeah. all that, for <laughs> yeah. letting revelation be in the hands of humans yeah. who are going to get this wrong and say, God hates Egyptians. Yeah. They get smote in the Exodus. Yeah. Well, nobody died, the archaeology. We know this. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. a way for the little guy, the little Semitic tribe, to feel like they matter Yes. enough for God to pull them out of that slavery. Yeah. The issue was slavery, not bad Egyptians, right. bad Canaanites, bad God. Yeah. It's more about it, the restoration of flourishing life, mm-hmm. no matter who's involved. So you bring somebody out of slavery, damn straight, that's who God is. Yes. And you can blame God. Yeah. Because that flourishes your life. Yes, yes. And he'll take that on. He'll absorb that. Yep. We talked about that being kenosis yep. from yep. the New Testament, which we get that idea. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's absorbing it the whole time. Mm-hmm in order that we can grow and flourish. Yeah, and, and mature, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and be full, fully in a relationship with God. Yeah. I actually don't think that the Adam and Eve story was meant to, st- that we were meant to stay in the garden and mm. just be, we fell, so we're punished. I think it's more God creates out of love and would like a relationship, something approaching an adult one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. You know, because that's more sustaining and more yeah. interactive and creative. Yeah. We can actually be images of God. But I think as naked little clueless types in the garden, babies, that's not yeah. really a relationship yet. It's yeah. dependency and cluelessness. Yeah. Um, so I think the willing of flourishing life meant don't shackle the couple to the crib. Yeah. Let them yeah, go yeah. out and make these choices. We don't even have to call them mistakes. Yep. Fruit looks good. It looks like it's wisdom producing. I think yeah. I'll have some. Mm-hmm. Okay, plan B. You can't live here anymore. <laughs> but, but it's not this punishing of an angry God. Yeah. You know, it's, this is, I want you for who you are. Yeah. Um, 
and who you can be. And growth would never be off the table for that. Yeah. yeah. Anyone who really loves you doesn't want you to grow. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Until the last day, your last breath. Right. The flourishing life in the Hebrew Bible and in the New Testament is toward more life. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite passages, we can't narrow at this point, but is I, Jesus saying, I came to give life and give life more abundantly? Yeah. That's like, okay, that's a nice clause, but wait, what? You want to give us more than we even have? Mm-hmm. That's flourishing. Mm. I think I have everything. No, wait, I, huh. What do I need? What's more abundant? Yeah, yeah. And it's something more flourishing than where we are right now. Yeah. So I think God is leading people out of the invisible slaveries that we now sign up for. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, and participate in. Yeah. The ruts, the sameness, the casual sarcasms. Yeah. Uh, the cynicism. The cynicism. Yeah. And making fun of others, gossiping, all that stuff. It, are, those are really chains in, in a biblical perspective. Yes. So I'm walking around trying to talk with these huge shackles on right. me. Making fun of someone doesn't work. It doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. Reacting doesn't make me feel good. Yeah. I think the Jesuits would call these unfreedoms. Yes, they are. Yeah. Good word. Good yeah. word. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things, uh, as I was reading some of your papers, uh, twice this happened, I think in your paper on Jonah 3. Oh, wow. You got that. I've, yeah. You're I just detective. read the intro. Okay. I mean, I'm trying. Um, and no, then that's the, not a well-known one, huh? And then the paper on uh, the animals that we sort of have been playing with. But there's always, there's always one sentence, at least in those two papers in particular, that just makes me laugh out loud. Um, I think in the animals one you said, you know, Job doesn't understand the ostrich, or Job doesn't need to understand the ostrich, because certainly Yahweh doesn't, right? And yes. I just started laughing. Okay. <laughs> um, and in Jonah 3, you talked, I think I, I wrote it down here, but it was just a... Jonah 3, it's an odd story. Animals dressing in sackcloth, a begrudging prophet, pagan sailors who pray to God, and, of course, a big fish, you know? And I just, <laughs> I think, it just makes me laugh out loud because I see um, in your work and in my interactions with you, we've had a couple classes together, sort of this genuine, genuineness, hmm. this realism, um, and the sense of humor that I think comes through in some of these hmm. things. Hmm. Um, do you feel that your work with the Hebrew Bible helps helps you to be a more genuine person? Or this is quite a personal question. We don't have it, to go no, here it if is. we don't want to. It is. It's weird. I, I, it's weird to me. Why this? Why the Hebrew Bible? Why it pulled me out of my routine in life. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't come from a rabbinic family. Yeah. You know? I, I don't even, my parents were lapsed Catholic, so I, I really didn't even have a theological curiosity. Oh, yeah. But I had a lot of passion about life. Yeah. You know, I was that kid. Yeah. <laughs> and so everything was interesting, but nothing really. But this inconvenienced me. I didn't want to go to grad school for theology. Yeah. And still less. I went to uh, Yale for the MDiv in theology. And then right at the end, we learned about the Old Testament. And then I graduated and thought, good. But I went back because I couldn't stop asking questions about Moses he's been dead for you know how many years yeah he gets he dies outside the promised land mm-hmm. like wait what yeah <laughs> that drew me back in yeah he starts in Egypt and then he doesn't even make it to he doesn't even that's just heartbreaking yeah and a, and a news flash to me yeah if I'm going to read the whole Pentateuch and then that happens at the end wait I want my time back yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you really saying, God? That yeah. the promised land is not in sight, not in reach. Yeah. That's wait. That's not the faith I thought I was yeah. jumping into. Yeah. The Hebrew Bible is big enough to incorporate all of life, mm-hmm. and all of the misdeeds of life, yeah. and all the traumas of life. And God is still there, and He's not. God's not um, grading Jacob you know, C minus, you didn't trust. Yeah. Uh, it's just acceptance and we work with what we've got. Yeah. And the dignity of that, working with what we've got. Yeah. Without without telling me I need to be better. Yeah. Or how I read some of the New Testament, how mm. how to improve. Mm. Here it's like humans are a mess. I'm a mess. And we start there with that candor. Yes. Like and the other thing is just personal. My father was very violent and an alcoholic. And yeah. I, I've got scars. Yeah. But that, I, you know, I woke up on the floor and thought, I'm, I need to get out of this house or yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah. And whatever that little voice was, yep. kind of just stumbled into the Old Testament. Like, thank you, somebody cares. Thank you, yes. life matters. And yeah. flourishing. And, and the other thing I think that made me receptive was... I've seen a bad dad, so I know that this Yahweh God is, are you kidding me? This isn't evil. <laughs> this is easy. Yeah. This is, this guy's easy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not troubled by God the Father at all. I'm, I was saved by it. And yeah. I'm not troubled by God so mean. I would have liked that. That's, you know. Yeah. You'll mean. be smote after I tell you 400 times not to do something. Yeah. <laughs> and so the 401st time they did something, one guy in the camp got smote. Well, what did you expect? Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like somebody, it's consequential ethics in the Old Testament, but that means like if you want to use crack as something that you ingest, you, mm-hmm. your life will go down the tubes. Yeah. So you can blame me if you need to do that, but these are not safe practices. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. So even the parts where... God might look stern. It's actually not. It's it's another moment of realism. It is a moment of realism. Yeah. I can't take crack, it turns out, and leave a flourishing, lead a flourishing right. life. I can't be beaten to a pulp. I need right. to get out. Right. And I don't know who said that, because that, that was just this little broken person saying, yeah. you know, I don't know if I'm going to be a professor, but I'm going <laughs> to sure get off the floor here yeah. and just start walking towards something real. Yeah. That's all. That's all yeah. that was. So it was actually a beautiful moment. Can I say a little more? Yes, please. Um, but the time, the last time when I did wake up on the floor, the door was open. Yeah. But the thing that brought me to consciousness was that my nostrils were tickled with breath, cool breath. Mm. So the, ba- the best part of this story mm-hmm. is that I felt life and was revived. Not, oh, wait, how did that happen? Why is the door open? Like, yeah. I didn't, yeah. that's all the bad stuff about the story. But the yeah. thing I remember is my nostrils yeah. breathing air. Yeah. And then, you know, slowly coming to consciousness. But yeah. so when I hit Genesis 2, where God breathes life into the nostrils, mm. they go to such detail. Yeah. Like, yeah. You that's what that. happened to me, even though I didn't know the word God, and I didn't know. Yeah. I just knew the most real thing in this moment are my nostrils for some reason. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if I can move. Like, I was yeah. afraid to move because yeah. I didn't know what would be paralyzed and such. Yeah. You know, just horrible things that yeah. an 18-year-old thinks. Yeah. But then go toward life is the clearest message I heard in my chest. Yeah. Don't worry about where you're sleeping. 
yeah. what day seven is going to bring. Just walk toward life. Yeah. And that's exactly what even Adam are even walking toward life. Yeah. They want more life because mm-hmm. God put eternity in their hearts, it says in Ecclesiastes. So it was never supposed to stay in just the little confined garden. Yeah. It was to make the world the garden. Yes. And leave the, you know, in my case, my dad would be the, you know, weed or yeah. the thing that would stop flourishing life. Yes, yes. So. Yeah. And so you follow that thread all the way I do. The, into the Old Testament, and you follow it now when the text calls calls it, catches yeah, you. And, yeah, and and I guess that's where the humor comes from, because I'm not really sure. I guess I should be less funny or less amused, but... <laughs> No, I can't play football. I've had too many concussions. Oh. <laughs> Wait. But it's actually... But it's your experience. And you can't fake that stuff. If no. the nostril is the thing I remember, yeah. trust God that that's what God wants me to pay attention to. Yeah. And I didn't even need to become a good Christian to get that. No. I had nothing else. So, right. oh, this is... Why is this delightfully cool? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's tickly. Oh, wait, why is that open? That You know... And that life will out. Life will out. That's probably, yes, yes. If I were young enough to pull off a tattoo, I would have choose life from Deuteronomy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it. Would you have it in Hebrew? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. You know, I think you could still pull it off, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Because it means so much more than abortion debates. It means every single moment is a decision. Yeah. Even these micro minutes of talking to somebody who's actually cutting you down for 45 minutes yeah. subtly and very, you know, socially acceptably, but still taking chunks off you. Yeah. Your soul is worth preserving. Yeah. And I think that is our job, that whatever else happened to my physicalness or 18-year-oldness, the soul, I stood up and protected my soul that yes, day on. Yes, yes. That experience helped me see the God of the Hebrew Bible, and I have no idea what other people were finding so offensive about it. It's realism. Yeah. I'd rather, I stand a better chance surviving life if I accept realities. Yes. And then dial back what I don't want in my own life. But preserving the soul and making, allowing it to flourish is God-given, and we call it dignity in the Catholic Church. Like, uh-huh. don't touch, don't break a child, don't break an animal, mm-hmm. don't kick a dog. So it's all messy in the Hebrew Bible, but it actually is very insightful if you just keep keep ingesting it. Yeah. It teaches you everything, and and it colossally makes you understand Jesus, the the, the huge perspective yeah. that even suffering, even a crucifixion, can be absorbed by this. Yeah. The other thing we didn't speak on this: the Hebrew Bible is um, centered on. Self-understanding is communal. There is no such thing as I. Right. They would giggle at Descartes. Right. Um, are you kidding? You need a village. You need us because you'll only start to make yourself an idol if you try to go it alone. Mm-hmm. And I think that has happened yeah. in modernity. Yeah. Um, so having being a part of something bigger is a community, but it's also God. There's nothing new under the sun. Ah. Uh, dropped another Hebrew Bible <laughs> reference, Ecclesiastes, <laughs> that really we're not that progressed and right. we're still not dealing with ourselves. Yeah. In a communal way, you, was it was easier because you could uh, 
talk to others who had the same reactivity, for example, right. and get through that right. towards something more whole and more flourishing. Yeah. Thanks, Alicia. Yeah, no. This has been nice. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I've really appreciated this conversation and your candor. And yeah, this has been lovely. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us today, everyone. If you're yes, interested you. in more content, more of this awesome content, go to our Twitter. At Theo in Dialogue. We also have, I think you said a Facebook page, right, Jacob? We do indeed have a Facebook page, Theology in Dialogue. And then isn't there some <laughs> other <laughs> isn't there some other way that they can get a hold of us? Our website. Oh, we have a website. We have a website. We have Ooh. a .org, theologyindialogue.org, with the U-E at the end of dialogue. That's right. There is actually... Apparently, you can spell it without the UE. Yep. I've learned. Yep. Not not uh, what we're doing here. That's not what we do. That's not how we go. We go we go standard yeah. orthodox dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, you should like uh, Villanova's Department of Theology and Religious Studies on Facebook, and they also will post updates about oh, this yeah. podcast. Oh yeah, that's true. And you'll get to see our beautiful faces mm. sometimes. Shouldn't they also like us on iTunes? so that we get more oh, likes shoot. there too. Yes. Yeah. You should like us, but, uh, well, so actually, I think iTunes doesn't use the liking system. You oh, actually sorry. have to rate us. I just outed myself as an Android user. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we won't We won't hold it against you uh, too much. Um, you have to rate us, and you have to rate us five stars, uh, but then you can leave a review and say anything you want about us, mm-hmm. as long as you leave us a five-star rating. Nice. So you could say terrible things, but leave five stars. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. See you next time.